Speaking of the spirit, you know, the, the outpouring of the gifts that we see in Acts. I'm trying to reread Acts because I've had a couple conversations with a few different people mm-hmm. about the gifts still being here versus the gifts not still being here. Uh-huh. And I wanted to kind of get your feedback on that uh, because you've seen deliverance, you've seen prophecy, you've seen healings. Yes. So would you say that they are still here? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so a lot of them base that out of, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, 14, it talks about for now we see in part, but at some point that they will fade away. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people think that the end of Acts, at the end of the apostles, brought the end of the manifestational gifts. I believe that that passage is talking about once we get into into the glory of the Lord, once we are glorified, once we get into heaven, that there will be no more need for those gifts um, because the purpose of the gifts are to edify, to demonstrate, to be a sign. And so when Jesus says to the disciples in Mark chapter 16, you know, go out into the world, preach the gospel, and bring these accompanying signs— these are the signs of those who believe, and it says that they will take up serpents with their hands, they will speak in new tongues, they will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed, they can drink of something deadly, but it will not, by no means will it harm them. And it says, then the disciples went and they preached the word and the Lord confirmed the word with the accompanying signs. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about those signs. So I believe that those signs are very important because a lot of times the whole world is throwing knowledge at us, right? right. But I'm like, where's the proof in the pudding? Like, I want to see evidence of all the knowledge that's being sent. So if somebody says God is healer, I want to see evidence. I mean, I know faith is seeing when I don't believe, Mm -hmm. but I am human. And I want, I want to, (laughs) yeah, I want to see evidence that God is a healer. Um, So I, I don't understand what's crazy is people will say that the manifestational gifts have ceased um, but then if I say, so you don't believe God is a healer, they'll say, oh yeah, I believe he's a healer. So I'm like, okay, so how does this healing come? Well, you know, it just, you know, like, and I'm like, well, it, so where do you draw that line? If they go forward and a pastor prays for them for healing, mm-hmm. is that no longer count because that's considered a manifestational gift or the gift was activated through the pastor? Well, no, no, no. That What if the pastor lays hands? Well, as long as the pastor doesn't believe that the healing went through his hand. Right. And so it's, it's just kind of weird and muddy to me. I'm like, we, again, it goes back to moving beyond how God works the ways of the spirit to does it line up with the character and the attribute of God? Mm. God is healer. So the anointing that flows out of the attribute of healer is healing, right? right? And so God flows through his people, just like Jesus fed the multitude through the disciples. He handed the food to the disciples and they fed the people. And again, we learn about Jesus. We learn the attribute of God in there is that he works through people. Yeah. I mean, he could, in the Old Testament, he dropped, you know, fish and and birds and he dropped all that stuff from the sky. He dropped manna from the sky. But in the New Testament, through the person of Jesus Christ, he was defining a new way of the kingdom possibilities being manifested here on earth. And he did it through the disciples. When he resurrected Lazarus from the dead, he said to the disciples, go set him free. Mm. There was an invitation for the disciples to be uh, partake part of, in the kingdom, partake in the deliverance. Cause what right. we see there is resurrection, but he was still bound up. Right. 
right? That's so true. to me, that was a, a, all re- resurrecting from the dead through salvation, mm-hmm. but there's still some discipleship and deliverance that needs to take place in La- poor Lazarus's life. And that's the role of the disciples. That's a whole nother book for a whole nother day. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I was just about to say that can go, that can go because there is, that is how you get to the promised yes. land. It's through that unwrapping of the yes, things. And I think, absolutely. and I'm learning recently that, man, I wanted to say one other thing, but I'll go back to that. Uh, I do think that's one way. I was just having a, a conversation before I got here with my father about um, about therapy and the value of that. And like once we become a Christian, we become a new creation. You know, it's kind of like the principle of like, you know, you become the butterfly. You can't go. You're not considered the caterpillar anymore. But that still takes work and that still takes unwinding the things mm-hmm. that are strongholds, unwinding the things mm-hmm. that you feel are chained to generational yeah. curses mm-hmm. and, and bondages that, that you may not even know exist and breaking those off in the name mm-hmm. of Jesus. But you have to work through those things and have to be delivered from those things. And it's not just going to happen, you know, without any effort or any mm-hmm. kind of uh, deliverance or, right. or prayer or, or Jesus right. being involved in that. Right. A working out of your salvation yeah. is what scripture would call it, or training yourself towards righteousness. Training yourself towards righteousness. Yeah. And do you suggest, because you're a counselor as well, mm-hmm. do you see that a lot happen? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, when you are delivered from a stronghold, a.k.a. a demon, mm-hmm. a.k.a. a core lie, Mm-hmm. And we can call like depending on my audience, we'll just call. I'll just cover all the bases. It could be a core lie, a demon, uh, stinking thinking. Call it what you want. It's a demon. It's a it's a it's a negative toxic spirit in your life. And so, if you have dealt with this negative toxic spirit in your life, let's say you've dealt with it since you were fifteen, or you till you were twelve or twenty five, whatever it is. Well, your personality and the way you respond to things, the way you behave begins to mold itself around that toxic thought or that lie or that demon. Right. So if I live in fear of men, it's going to affect the way I behave around men. Well, when I get delivered from that demon, I go into that point of trauma. I break my agreement with all men are bad, whatever it is. So, so we can call it healing. We can call it deliverance. Either way, I'm shifting my mindset. I've decided I'm no longer going to live in that trauma. That trauma point leaves my body. I get delivered from fear of men, a demon that's kept, you know, I would call that a Jezebel, part of a Jezebel spirit, but we can go down that path another day as well. But the point is, is now I have all these behaviors. I still have that triggered reaction that (gasps) I just saw a man, my heart rates up, you know, all these things, all of that still has to be dealt with. And so it's like a rock with Play-Doh. I've cast the rock out, but I still have this Play-Doh that I need to remold. So if I take a rock out of Play-Doh, it still carries the impression of of the rock. And so now I have to start remolding it. What to look around, what I talk about in here is the character is the impression. It's the imprint of Jesus. A a caricature Mm -hmm. in the Greek is actually an object that they would use to shape or mold wood. Ah. It's actually, so character is what leaves an impression. So I could, um, and I talk about this in the book. You know, you I've, I've seen people speak in tongues and minister deliverance, but what impresses me is when I see ministers minister in love mm. because character is what impresses. Personality doesn't doesn't leave an impression. Right. We can be very charismatic. That's short term. Um, but still be jerks. Yeah. That's, you know that's short term like I know a too. lot of narcissists that have great personalities. Right. Right. It's character that leaves an impression. The character of Jesus left an imprint. It left an impression in our world and it should leave an impression in our lives to the point where we're impressing other people's lives with, that. with the person of Jesus Christ. Because he lives within us. 
But if the impression that you see in my life is that I fear men and I live in anger and I'm depressed and I'm hurt and I'm, that's, uh, uh, nobody wants to be impressed by that. Right. That's not an impression. So, so I talk a lot about that in the book too, like what is character and looking at it from a Greek and Hebrew perspective. Which is a really important. When you do absolutely. That. When you're looking at the word of God, really kind of taking a look beyond that and really asking myself, you know, what's the impression? Am I living under the impression of my past? Mm. Am I living under the impression of the world? Am I living under the impression of my experience, how I feel right now, the, my knee that is hurting? Or am I living under the impression of God and his love and his nature and his attributes and his truth? 